Everybody ready for some word today? Go to 2 Timothy with me, chapter 4. 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. I want to begin a new direction here today that will stay on for a number of weeks. However, it seems good as we're led of the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 4. How many know life is not all about our preferences? Life is, is, is not just about our desires, what we want. Uh, I know that's a shock to the American system. It's not all about you. <laughs> not all about your preferences and, like I said, your desires. One key component to uh, being a Christian, to living the Christian life, is, is, is the, the word submission. Everybody remember that word? It's called submission to the Lordship of Jesus. In order for someone to be saved, they are required. This is prerequisite. They not only believe in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, but what's the other component there? They confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. That means He's the boss. He's the commander. He's the master. We're saying to Him, yes, I believe you did this for me. I received this gift of salvation. But I also lay down my life and I say you're calling the shots from here on out. It's a willing, uh, it's a willingness of our part to, to serve God and to do His will and to live our lives for Him. And how many know who gets the best end of that stick? I tell you what we do, even though the word of the one saying, Lord, I'm going to do whatever you say, it is far, far better for the one who does that because God is merciful and gracious and he is abundant and he is kind and he is faithful and, and he, he is strong and he is able. Amen. And a life lived in submission to God is a wonderful life. It, there is nothing that even measures up to it or even comes close. And so I, I want to begin reading over here in Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 6. Paul, writing this this letter to Timothy, Paul was an apostle or a sent one, writing this letter to Timothy who was a son in the faith. Paul was at the latter part of his life. And he said here, verse 6, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. All right. So, so what's he saying there? He's basically saying in our language, he said, I'm about to die. I'm about to leave. I like his, his lingo a little bit better than die, you know, because how many know die sometimes in our, in our mentality uh, seems to be permanent, seems to be the end or the fi- final aspect. But the reality is death is not an end. How many realize that? Death is just a separation. That's what, the, that's what that word means. It's a separation. No human being who has ever been born ever has an end in that regard. They have an end to their physical life here on the earth. And that's what Paul was talking about. But that's not the end. He called it here his departure. He said, I'm taking off here in a little bit. You know, it's like some of us were going to depart from the church building here shortly. Uh, I'm going to be taken off. Well, that's what he's talking about. He's just talking about his physical life. He said, my departure is at hand. All right. I've got a, I've got a 1230 flight, something like I'm out of here. 
But he's talking about his life. He said, it's already being poured out as a drink offering to God. My departure is at hand. How many know that you can know when you're close to going? That stuff doesn't have to be a mystery. Sometimes people think, well, death just kind of catches people by surprise. I know for some that it does. But it doesn't have to be that way. For someone who's in a relationship with a God who knows everything... Uh, we can actually know these things ahead of time. Doesn't? How many know you don't have to be taken out of life by a, a semi truck or, you know, or a, a disease of some kind? But it can actually be a choice. And I'm not talking about suicide type of choice in that regard. I'm talking about getting to the end of life, to the end of 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 what you're supposed to do here on the earth, the purpose of your life, and saying, "Okay, I'm out of here." I know of multiple people who have left that way. Uh, no disease, no, uh, no last minute grasping and trying to hang on to life, but getting to a point where they say, okay, I'm done. And they knew they were done. And actually, Paul was one of those people. He knew he was, he said, I'm about to leave here. If you read over in the book of Philippians, he was in a point in his life where he knew he had a choice. He told them, he said, I'm, uh, I'm remembering the old King James translation said, I'm in a straight betwixt two. You know, he's basically saying, I'm in a spot in my life right now. I kind of want to leave. I mean, I've been here a while, done a lot of things, good stuff going on. I kind of want to leave because he had been to heaven. Uh, Second Corinthians 12, he had been there. He'd seen it firsthand. He said, I'm kind of ready to just go. He said, but I know if I stay, it'll be better for you. So let's see. He said, I'm going to stick around for a little while. But it's very interesting. He had the choice. He had the choice to make whether he would stay, whether he would go. Likewise, it is that case with, with us. We'll walk with God. We'll get to a place in our lives where we'll just say, mm, go, stay, mm, stay, or go, I'm done. And he was at that point, the last part of his life here. And look what he said about his life. This is very important. He said in verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. And uh, this is kind of the direction I want to go, but I, I, want, I want to point out here three key components that he mentioned here. He said, number one, I have fought the good fight. The second thing there, he said, I have finished the race. And third, I have kept the faith. Those three things are very, very important for our lives if we're going to live a life of value and of meaning and of purpose. And if we're going to get to the end of our own lives and be able to say, you know, that these things were true about us and I'm out of here. I'm sticking around for a while. I'm checking out. But these things were true about him. I I think they should be desired by all of us that that would also be the case. Uh, My primary focus in this new series, my, my title is this. Let me give you the title now. My title is Completing Your Course completing your course. And uh, he uses the language in this, in the New King James Bible, finishing the race. He said, I finished the race. The race would be uh, parallel to some translations use the word course, which I'm choosing to use that word in, in, in this regard. How many know if you were, I think about a course, I think about golf. Anybody think about golf? Uh, no? Um, but how many know if you were playing golf, there's a pre-designed order in how you are to play the game. You don't go from one hole 
from hole one to hole three to hole eight, back to hole two. And it, no, you, you have to go in order. How many know if you get out of order, you mess up everyone else's plan? <laughs> it's like, where did they come from? How, who's that on the green? There was no one up there. And now all of a sudden there's someone there. You mess up everyone else's game. And, but there, there's a designed way uh, in which you are to play that game. Likewise, it is with life. There is a designed methodology, a, a, a course, a direction that we are to follow. And if we're unaware that that even exists, it's unlikely that we'll do it. And even if we are aware that there is a course laid out for us, for our lives by God, there are some key components necessary to help us to stay on track, to, fo- to follow that course and to get to the end uh, at the right time. Praise the Lord. And so we can see here, though you think about it, uh, finishing your course is contingent upon fighting the good fight and keeping the faith. Really all th- three of these things kind of work together. If someone doesn't fight the good fight, if they don't keep the faith, they're not going to finish their course. And many people end up uh, in their lives not in the right place, but in the wrong place. They didn't finish what they were supposed to do. And so um, fighting the good fight, finishing your course, keeping uh, the faith is not automatic. It's not an automatic thing. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't have even bothered to say these things. He wouldn't have written them if it, were, if it were true that, well, every person, as long as they accept Jesus as their Savior, well, then they have done what's necessary for their lives. Well, then why would he bother saying this? You know, why would he say, I have finished? Because they would respond and say, well, Paul, everyone finishes. Everyone, no, some people finish their life, but that doesn't mean they finish their course. How I many know oh, you can be done without having finished you know it's like uh it's like the saying most christians who are aware of some scripture they 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 long to hear this these words from the lord jesus when they stand before him well done my good and faithful servant right doesn't doesn't that wouldn't that be a good thing to hear from the lord well done instead of well you're done (laughs) So it's possible to be saved, to go to heaven, but to really not finish your assignment, finish your course in life. And, and, and Paul, Paul had to do these things. He had to fight. He had to fight the good fight of faith. He had to keep the faith. Uh, but how many know a person can choose not to fight? A person can, can live unaware of their race. Uh, a person can back off and, and renege on the faith. But those are some, some obvious components that we must have in, in place. Let me remind you of this verse, 1 Timothy 6, it's not too far away, verse 12, Paul wrote, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. So the fight he's talking about is a faith fight, but I kind of want to address a little bit of that uh, as we get into this, this stuff here today. Our perception of the life that we live for God or being a Christian, what that's all about, needs to be biblically balanced, needs to be accurate and precise. Here's the problem. If I expect it to be one thing and it ends up being something different, I'm going to be greatly disappointed, maybe disillusioned, maybe even quit the game halfway through. 
But if I can understand that being a Christian uh, after believing in my heart and confessing the Lordship of Jesus over my life, it is designed to look like this. It is designed to look like something, the image I have in my, my mind, then I can strive for that. I can endeavor to, uh, you know, have my life look like that. But I want to have an accurate picture of what that's supposed to be. Because some, you know, they get into something. Maybe, maybe someone, ha- some of you have taken a job at some point in your life, and and you know what you saw in the company, what you saw on the outside, what you envisioned, didn't pan out. And once you were there for a while, you thought, "This isn't what I thought this would be like. This isn't what I expected." And, and we want to have an accurate expectation of what it really looks like and means to, to to be a Christian, to live for God. And, and so that's where we want to kind of clear the air a little bit and get an accurate understanding. But we can see this. Can you recognize this? We can show you in multiple places. There is a legitimate fight that is involved in being a Christian. Okay? Uh, obviously, there, there can be some thoughts that are contrary to that right away. Some said, oh, no, not a fight. Turn the other cheek. Don't fight back. I'm not talking about fighting people. <laughs> Not talking about the, the fight of faith is I'm going to be duking people out. No, being a brawler, that's opposite of being a Christian, right? That's contrary to the love of God. Uh, one thing we often talk about in relationship to the faith that we have and the grace of God is we talk about how our life is a rest, how, how faith in Scripture, is a rest. It's a ceasing of striving in our own efforts to earn our salvation or our own right standing with God. And no doubt, that's absolutely true. Faith and a Christian life is a rest. But could it also, is it possible for it to be a rest and a fight at the same time? Those realities both exist together. And if all I see is, here I go, I'm a Christian now. You know, get, no, chill, relax, rest in the finished work of Christ, rest in knowing that it's already done. But if all I think is, you know, easy chair, you know, this is my Christian life, I do nothing. I just sit back because it's already done. No, I've missed the picture there as well because there is some fighting, there is some striving there, there are some elements of the Christian life that are not kicked back in the easy chair. It's actual application that we must be involved with. And so the fight we are talking about is not to add to or replace the fight that Jesus already won. The fact that he defeated sickness and disease and the devil. This fight we talk about is not like the person who's been diagnosed with cancer. And they, they oftentimes will say, I'm battling cancer. I'm fighting cancer. Or, or someone says, I'm battling health problems. For the Christian now, we want to move beyond that to where we're not battling those things because we recognize that Jesus already defeated them. Everybody with me today? I understand and I, and I you know... Uh, I understand someone who's fighting in those regards and have respect for their for their battle, but at the same time, that person, the person who's struggling physically, I want to encourage them to rest in the victory that's already been won. 
I want to say, stop fighting that thing because it's already dead. You know what I'm talking about here? See, there's some actual resting that needs to take place. Sometimes people are continuing to struggle in an area because they're acting like it's putting up a fight, like it's even alive. When Jesus already killed it, he already defeated it at the cross. And so that's not the kind of battle we're interested in. By the way, when we talk about a fight, I know some kind of go into this area in their mind and they think, yeah, my life's been hard. What we want to do is clear up if the hardships of your life are the things you're supposed to be fighting or the things you're supposed to be resting in. Does that make sense? Do you know the Apostle Paul didn't fight disease? He's the one who who battled here. He's the one who fought the good fight. Yet he's not talking about, yeah, I had these three diagnoses and I battled through it and I had these four surgeries and I had that. Now, if you have, that's not condemnation, but that's just not the type of fight he's talking about. Okay, he recognized the victory he had in Christ over those areas. And so his fight is, is a little bit different. If you've been battling some of those things, I would encourage you to stop. What do you mean, give up? No, no, no. Get your eyes on Jesus. He is the serpent on the pole in the Old Testament. He is the one, if we'll we'll fix our gaze upon Him, God's health and healing will flow into our lives and give us victory in those areas. Okay? But that doesn't do away with the Christian life having a fight to it. We've got to deal with temptation. We must deal with persecution. We all have flesh that needs to be, um, you know, put under. That, that, that needs to be disciplined. There, there are some ad- aspects of our lives that we must deal with. Now, listen to this. This word fight is from uh, a word in the, the Greek language. Let's see if I can pronounce it here. It's a- agonizomahi. Say it out loud. <laughs> That's your test question for the week. Uh, agonizomahi. All right, here's what, here, here's what uh, it, it, it's defined as. Uh, it, it is defined as to struggle, literally to compete for a prize, figuratively to contend with an adversary. It, it's translated fight, labor, fervently, labor fervently, and strive. Okay, when he's saying, I have fought the good faith, Paul is literally saying, I've fought, I've labored. I have, I have um, strived, striven, strove. All right, now I'll leave that one alone. (laughs) He did some striving. Okay. How many understand that we are to work? That literally to work for God is a good thing. Uh, We are to, we are to strive. Uh, you know, the word serve, which someone says, I've been serving God for X number of years. Well, to serve means to work for. To serve does not mean go to church. I've been serving God. What have you been doing? I go to church every week. <laughs> well, serve means you actually do something for God. It means you put your hand to something and work for Him, making a difference in spiritual things in the kingdom of God. All right? Uh, the Apostle Paul said about himself over in 1 Corinthians 15 comparing his ministry to to others, he said, I have labored more abundantly than than all of them. He said, I am what I am today by the grace of God, but I worked my butt off. I said, I worked hard. Then he went to clarify and he said, but actually, kind of, it wasn't me. He said, it was the grace of God in me. 
And so there's this element of our lives that, is this me or is this God? Yes. It's you by the grace of God. But does God's grace mean I don't work? Absolutely not. It means there's, uh, there is going to be some work, some labor, some striving, some, some things that are involved. But at the end of it, I'm going to say, well, it's like that was God. It wasn't even me. But it was me. Both statements are true. Did he work hard? Absolutely he did. Was it the grace of God? Yeah. It's the grace of God that enables a person to do something, not to sit. We talk about resting and we get this picture of taking a nap in Jesus. Well, true concerning our right standing, true concerning our salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, all these things, but concerning our life, does grace mean I rest and just do nothing? No, it means I'm empowered to do something. It means now I'm enabled by God to get to work and I may sweat in the process. I may, I may get tired at times in the process. But at the end, I think about it concerning, concerning the ministry. Is, is it, uh, say, is what you do work? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've been, I've been in the uh, full-time ministry since October of 1989. And one thing I can tell you, it is work. It is absolutely work. I mean, big time. Say, but isn't it grace? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, there are times I look at, I look and I think, this is amazing. There is no way I could do that. I, I sit back and I think, how did that even turn out well? <laughs> how did I get up there and talk to people and it worked? <laughs> you know, and it changed lives and people got saved and people got healed. Man, this is the grace of God. But is it work? It absolutely is work. And the reality is there should be this element to all of our lives in living for God. We're enjoying we're celebrating, we're resting in the finished work, and we're putting our hand to the plow, and we're doing something for the kingdom of God that will last for eternity. And at the end, we're going to say, yeah, so there's times, and I had to, I fought. Man, I fought through stuff, and I fought to resist temptation, and people came against me, and I, but I put my hand to something, and it was worth my time. And I finished, and I kept the faith. And I finished my course. But if there's no fighting, no striving going on in your life, you might be off track. You might not even actually be on the course. Huh? You might be over on that par three thing. Get over on the big boy's course. Pull your driver out. Look with me at uh, 2 Timothy. We're right there close, but chapter 2. Chapter 2. See, the Christian life can be described as both easy and difficult or hard. Both can be true depending on the context and and how, how we're explaining these things. But if I have this mindset, and I'm a Christian now, and life is a bed of roses. Life is the greatest of ease. You might have a wake up call. Huh? But if I have this mindset that, oh, I'm a Christian now and it's going to be hard going, hard going. Someone called me recently and they they talking about this person who had had some trouble and they said, I guess that's really what the Christian life is kind of all about. If you read the Bible, it's just a lot of trials and stuff. And I thought, in my mind, I'm thinking, why do you want me to pray if that's what you believe this is about? So I think they were on the other extreme. They didn't believe in victory. They didn't believe they were supposed to have peace and joy and laugh and fun. And, and that's a part of this. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 
uh, or chapter 2, excuse me. Well, let's just go ahead and read verse 1. He says, but as for you, speak the things. That's Titus. Let me back up a page. You know, sometimes you got Timothy on one page and, yeah, never mind. Chapter 2, verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now notice that language. Endure hardship as a what? As a soldier, a good soldier. So remember that. He told Timothy, you must endure what? Hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse 4, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Verse 5, also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he completes according to the rules. So we've got a soldier, we've got an athlete, and then verse 6, the hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. The what? The farmer. What's the farmer like? He's hard-working. It's interesting here how Paul's instruction to Timothy, a young minister, Timothy pastors a church, and, and, and he's giving him instructions in ministry and life and how to do things, and he gives him these examples, none of which is a, is a recliner. and said, Timothy, relax. Not that that would never be good counsel in a certain situation, but the illustrations he gave, gave to him were all of people that had to give great effort, were all of individuals that, re, that, that their occupations required strength and discipline and endurance. He talked about the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. Now think about those three for, for, for a moment here. Uh, you know, th- think about the soldier, or yeah, a-, a soldier. Any soldiers in the house? Any or any military of any kind? You've, you've been. Tra- How many know if someone's going to go to battle to protect their country? There's a lot of intense training that must go on. Uh, you know, they must be tested again and again, and uh, physically, emotionally, and prepared to endure the harshest of conditions for the potential of what they might face in life. What's Paul comparing this to? Timothy's life. He said, you need to be like a soldier. He, ta- he talked to him about the athlete. Any athletes in the house? Anyone ever play a sport? or any, Ever competed for any? Well, uh, you know, I realize a lot of times that's done just on a casual basis. But for those who really excel, talking about your professionals or your Olympic athletes or those who compete on a regular basis, how many know there's some... Pretty intense training that must go on. That's actual, that also is not a couch picture, right? You don't picture great athlete. They lay around all day and do nothing, right? They watch ESPN all day. Man, you're an athlete. Saw the way you picked up those chips, put them in the dip. Mm. May have been an athlete, but again, an athlete must train day in and day out. They're the kind of person who will push their body to the extremes. They're going to push it and push it and find out how far it can go. What is the maximum potential of their physical body? Okay, in order for, you know, for them to reach that peak potential, they've got to push it. Then the farmer, 
Again, the Bible says here, the farmer is a hard-working person. I can relate a little bit to that because I didn't grow up on a farm but grew up uh, in the dairy business. We milked cows and fed cows and moved hay and moved cattle around and, and uh, scooped poop and, and uh, you know, with tractors and, well, and shovels sometimes but, and, and all, all this stuff. And growing up, you know, what I knew, especially, uh, you know, probably from teenage years on, for the most part, before that, we always worked on the dairy. But you know, I had fr- I had friends who lived in the city. They'd sleep in on Saturdays and stuff, and and I always that always kind of bugged me because I'd never slept in a day in my life. I mean, ever, maybe on vacation, but then you want to go play. You know, as a kid, you don't sit. just never just you, you just don't do that every day before school. You get up and work. Why? Because the animals are hungry. Huh? And that's the that's the nature of that kind of business is uh, the you know the cows have to be milked and fed and all this stuff they don't take vacation just because you want one they die <laughs> and, and so I, I can understand a little bit but again this is the picture of of what Paul is saying this is what the Christian life is about do we have victory. And we talk a lot about that, don't we? I mean, the victory that's ours in Christ, and we celebrate and we rejoice. But here's another picture. It's called hard work. It's called striving. It's called there's going to be some opposition to your life. And you must be willing and ready and determined to fight. To fight the good fight. So when at the end of your life, you will be able to say, I kept the faith. You don't keep the faith if you don't fight. You don't finish your, your course if you don't have some, some fight to you on the inside for the things of God. You know, he said, that, that, that verse 7 of our, our text there, I have fought the good fight. This, listen to this. This is the Knox translation. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have redeemed my pledge. I like that. I have, in other words, I have kept the faith. That means I made a pledge to God. I told Him I would serve Him all of my days. I give Him my whole life, and I've stayed with it. I've stayed with it. I told Him, Jesus, You are the Lord of my life. He said, and I didn't back down from that. I didn't turn away from that and start doing my own thing. I recognize that God has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a, a reason for my existence in my family, in my business, in my life, in my church. There's something that God wants to do through my life. And I never backed out on that. And, and, and I, I, would, I would encourage you to keep the faith. You know, to keep your pledge to the Lord. I know today faith is under, the faith, as we say, is under heavy assault by our world, and by ungodliness. It's just being attacked and ridiculed. And we've got to have some strong people who are determined to stay the course and to finish their course with joy. Praise God. You know, this, the Greek word for this, uh, for this right here, uh, it doesn't seem like I've been speaking for very long, but have I? I know the band's already getting ready to come out. I feel like I just started. Man, I'm hardly even working here. It's like the grace of God. Let me finish up, because we got lots of weeks coming. Unless Jesus interrupts us, we'll give you the rest in heaven. And it'll come out even better. But uh, the Greek word here, that's uh, for, the Greek word for kept, is the, is the word uh, tereo, T-E-R-E-O. And this word... Um, is used to depict a watch of soldiers who are positioned to protect something important. 
The job of these soldiers was to stand guard and keep watch. They were to be faithful and remain committed to their charge of keeping watch regardless of the kind of assaults or the number of attackers they might encounter. When we talk about keeping the faith, we're no, we know that there's going to be some assaults. There's going to be those that come against. But we're going to stand guard. We're going to keep our watch. One thing I believe that will help us in all these regards, and I'm just going to try to finish up here and, and come back to this some more and get into some real good stuff. But you remember when the Apostle Paul said for in, in, in 2 Corinthians, he said, for our light affliction is but for a moment. Put that up. It is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Here's a very important for us to see. Anything that's a, the struggling, the striving of this life, let's get it in proper perspective. Our life is but a vapor, and eternity is forever. And anything we face here, it is, it is to be seen and recognized in truth that it is a light affliction. Let's keep our eyes on glory. Let's keep our eyes on the weightiness of God's glory and His reward forever. And anything we have to deal with, because, you know, we've got to deal with some junk here in this life. It's light. Nothing. It's nothing. God empowers me, enables me, but I must absolutely have a fight to my life if I'm going to finish my, finish my course. Amen. Amen. Stand up with me today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now's the time when we enter into the presence of God for a few moments. Now's the time when we communicate with Him. Has the Lord stirred your heart concerning anything today? I, I pray and, and trust that He has, that He's doing a work in your heart even today right now. Now's the time to let that gel. <laughs> Now's the time to communicate with Him and let Him direct your steps specifically for your life. I'll be back in a few minutes.